0: Disappointing season. He doesn't get it off. The game is over, and so is the season. And now, a new direction. Extremely excited for the next chapter of my life of being the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. What's next for the Bucks? Gotta use this as motivation. Hopefully, we can come back next year and do better. Broadcasting live from the Grouper Law Offices Sports Zone at Summerfest alongside the Athletics. Eric Name here's Ben Brust.
1: fast It is an absolutely gorgeous day this Saturday at noon. The first weekend of Summerfest. Ben Brust here with Eric, name of the athletic. It's a treat right now, Eric. I feel like this is this is amazing. We're looking right out at the lake. Um, the like it's not overly hot no. right now. It's the perfect time. I highly recommend stopping by at Summerfest today. Take in the sights, people watch, do what you need to do. Um, I know Eric took it in last night. Yeah. I came back as well for a concert. Um, and I'm happy to be here. And this is the State of the Bucks show. Uh, some special programming here this Saturday. We're going to have a State of the Brewers and the State of the Packers the next couple Saturdays as well here at Summerfest. But I want to jump right into the Milwaukee Bucks because... Um, Look, last year was a failure, and I'm not even trying to quote Giannis. I'm not trying to even call that out. They were the number one seed in the East. They had the best record in the NBA. They had a pathway that felt really advantageous to head towards their second championship. Ultimately, they came up short. They lost in five games in a historically bad fashion to the eight-seeded Heat. And they moved on from their NBA Champion head coach Mike Budenholzer. In terms of a scene set, how's that from a quick recap of last year?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty solid. That's uh, it, it's just a season that didn't go the way the team really thought it was going to go, and I, it's not necessarily like the the championship is the standard. That's what they're trying to do every single year, but the fact that. They didn't even get to, like, the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, to lose in the first round it was, it was just such a shocker. And obviously, you know, you can get into, you know, how healthy Giannis was and the fact that he was injured. And then even when he was playing injured, you know, he cramps up at the end of game four. And you're trying to get him through that. And, I mean, you just kind of go through all of it. And the circumstances are what the circumstances are. And they didn't come through. And and that's just kind of how all of these things can go. Uh, and it just wasn't a good situation. It wasn't a good season for them. They weren't able to finish it out the way that they wanted to. Uh, and And now you're just in a spot where, for the first time in five years, you have a new head coach. And, you know, it's funny to think through... The final regular season game, I was sitting courtside and thinking about the Raptors and the Bucks, and it was like, oh, Nick Nurse is going to be gone. And, man, this is such an interesting place to be. After 2019, the Eastern Conference Finals, the Raptors win their ring, the Bucks come up short, and you think Nick Nurse is the guy. He's got it all figured out. Bud has no idea what he's doing. He's not going to figure it out. And then eventually it looked like, man, Bud's figured it out. He's done five years. He's got a couple more years on his contract. He might do eight years, ten years. Like, if they win another championship, this could be his job for life. And two weeks later, the Bucks are out of the playoffs. And Mike Boonhälzer is sitting right next to Nick Nurse without a job. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. Like, I, with the way that that regular season went, with all of the
1: injuries that they had to maneuver, yeah. I thought it was it was set up for them with the depth that they had. I mean, you you don't win as many games as they do last year if you don't have depth, and yep. so that was the shocking thing to me is how the pieces that they had added to bolster the roster and 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 have options and lineup options, I thought actually was a net negative for them. I think, and we look we look back when they won the championship in twenty twenty one, there were more defined roles. I think there was a lot of uh, role players that. We're trying to find their way. And I think the one that comes to mind the most is when Pat Connaughton was in the 2021 World Championship team. He was as rock-solid and as consistent as you could ask for any role player mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I will say the yeah. entire playoffs. He hit massive shot after massive shot in series after series in the right corner, and the left corner. Yeah. I mean, he hit everything that was needed. And I'm trying to think... Who were those guys this yeah. year? You know, who, who stepped up? And, and I, I guess I'll ask you quick before we turn the page and move on to Adrian Griffin. Where do you think the biggest miscue outside of injuries was for Coach Bud in the playoffs? Outside of timeouts, I'm talking right. about in terms of the 48 minutes. He minutes has together. 48
2: minutes to put yeah. it together for a series. Where did that all go wrong? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look back to the end of that season, and they spent the whole year trying to trade for Jay Crowder. And they spent the whole season trying not to give up Grayson Allen or any... Like, they tried to, you know, debate their way into a favorable package. And I will say, five second rounders for Jay Crowder... Perfectly fine value. Second rounders kind of get tossed around in the NBA right now. As long as you're not giving up first, you're probably in a good spot.
1: And for for instance, the Bucks found their way back into the second round in the NBA
2: draft on Thursday. Very easily. Very easily. So, like, they don't really mean a whole lot. So you didn't give up much. You get Jay Crowder, and it just didn't work. And you could tell that there was a mandate that it needed to work because... Pat Connaughton, the guy you were talking about, was out of the rotation for the final 10 games of the regular season. He was out of the rotation at the start of the playoffs. They gave Jay Crowder those minutes, and Jay Crowder got blown by by Jimmy Butler in Game 1, in Game 2, and then in Game 3. Bud was just like, all right, I guess we got to go back to Pat Connaughton. And that speaks to exactly what you're saying, trying to figure out who those people are going to be. And, and I think one thing that when you look at what the Denver Nuggets did this year, obviously Jokic is amazing and we'll talk Giannis and Jokic and you know the top of the league a little bit later in the show but like they made trades last offseason and the year before that set up all of those guys you have Aaron Gordon coming in Doing a great job figuring out what he is meant to do in the NBA. You have Bruce Brown that they pick up. All of a sudden, Bruce Brown is out there closing games. Conta- Brucey B. <laughs> Contavious Caldwell Pope. Same thing. They made all those moves last summer. That if you're thinking about this Bucks team going forward, and your general manager John Horst, the only thing that matters on that roster is the top eight. How do I get the top eight to solidified be as good as humanly possible? And to be fair. I think that's what he thought he was doing when he traded for Jay Crowder. I think he believed, this is the move. We'll have our eight. We can bring Crowder off the bench. We can bring Pat off the bench. We can bring Bobby off the bench. And those are eight. Part of me wonders if there was a fixation
1: on Jay Crowder that may have negatively Im- impacted the team.
2: Yeah, I mean... It-
1: not, that the, not that the culture wasn't good. Not that Giannis doesn't know how to build a, a locker room with respect. It, but, like, you know... You have a group of guys that did it. Yeah. And then they're like, you see management willingly, like, doing everything they possibly can to bring in one guy. Right. And then it affects guys' roles. And, like, it just felt like there was never a cohesion throughout the entire five game series against the Heat.
2: Yeah. And I just, obviously, I think this goes a lot better if Jay Crowder plays better. Like, all of that probably gets fixed if he's just better. And it just didn't happen. And that's not to say Jay Crowder couldn't be good again next year. That doesn't mean the Bucks should necessarily kick him out of the door. He could be totally different and improved with Adrian Griffin at
0: head coach.
1: And you, and you mentioned Adrian Griffin there, because that's where I want to go next. I mean, the, the Mike Budenholzer era, I would ultimately say is 110% a success. Yeah. He brought the franchise, their first championship in 50 years, and he solidified his legacy as a head coach. I mean, he's got an NBA championship. He was a great coach before that. He still looked at highly amongst his peers in the NBA, but it's the Adrian Griffin era. And with that, I am curious as to get your opinion on what, what it will feel like, what it will look like. And it's, an, it's a possible question because we're sitting here not even in July. Right. Summer League hasn't even happened. You know, Free agency is upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I think in, what's important in building quickly, which is what the Bucks need to do, is I hope in the interview process with the Milwaukee Bucks that Adrian Griffin said, here's my plan. Here's how I want to start executing it ASAP because every second that goes is a second wasted on Giannis's prime. And really the only two years really guaranteed that you have from Giannis currently sitting where we are today.
2: Yeah, and I was fascinated in the introductory press conference just to hear that vision get laid out. Like... I, what, I, I truly didn't. You know, everyone's going to say what they want to say in, in an interview and in an introductory press conference. You're going to, you know, focus on your talking points and, and be good to go there. But I was fascinated to hear just how much pressure defense was going to be a part of their identity. And it really felt like. Absolute rejection of what Mike Boonholzer was doing. And it's, it's, it's the anti. It's literally the antithesis of it. So for me, that's going to be fascinating because this offseason you have two older guys that are up that you need to keep. You, you just do. Like if you want to have talent on your roster, you. You have to keep Chris Middleton. You have to keep Brooke Lopez. Giannis Dedekumbo is going into his 11th season. Drew Holiday will be fine with pressure defense. He'll, 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 he'll handle,
1: adjust. He'll handle Drew that. Holiday could play in any defensive system. Right.
2: He'll be fine there, but you look at it a lot of that As long roster. as he's not
1: against Jimmy Butler. Uh,
2: yeah, as, as, long as, as long as those guys are on the roster, I think it's really hard to say, like, hey, we're going to get out here and we're really going to just pressure the whole game. That's pretty hard for a 7-foot, 280-pounder.
1: I'm fascinated because, I mean, e- even the idea of Chris Middleton, who's turning 32 right. in August. Correct. And and likely the contract of three, four years that they're going to give him right. to come back. I mean, Drew Holiday's not young either. No. And we've seen, I would say, what his um, capacity for... Defense and offense he's basically play, played pressure defense in the playoffs right. as a one man guy. Yeah, and that's taken a toll on him on the offensive end. Um, Giannis is a motor unlike anything I've ever seen. Where I don't worry about him, but maybe you worry about the long term effects of your franchise player. Yep. Does he want to be in a system like that? Yeah. I mean, it's. And it's I mean, he chose Griffin, so I, I, he, he knows
2: did. what he's signing up for. And and I just think it's it's going to be really interesting to watch because draft night was a double down on that again. Where mm-hmm. you you look at Adrian, Andre Jackson Jr. from Connecticut? That is a dude that can't shoot. That shot's broken. It. it I mean, maybe someone can fix it, no, but no. at the moment, it's broken. He is not. He is coming into the NBA to be a specific role. And that is going to be pressure defense, use that insane athleticism that he has, probably do some switching. John Horst was talking about him defending one through four. And to me, it's just been interesting throughout the last month, every time John Horst or Adrian Griffin has spoke publicly, I've given them, you know, like the opportunity, like, hey, I understand that there's a vision and how you want to do things but also the NBA is personnel based you're, what you're doing on offense and defense has to be based on the, the players you that have are on, on your court. team because they make the most money like th- that's how the NBA works it is, a, it is a players league and if you want this vision either that means the roster needs to get overhauled in a way that's not going to be easy to do because Brooke Lopez is an unrestricted free agent and Chris Middleton can choose to be an unrestricted free agent here in the next week, or he could also sign an extension. But you have these guys, and personnel versus scheme is, like, a real thing that you have to figure out. And, frankly, you don't want it to be versus. You want it to be connected. You want it to be working together. You want the personnel matched up with the scheme, the scheme matched up with the personnel. And I do do have very serious questions about you lay out this vision, and to be totally honest, in the introductory press conference i would guess every bucks fan was delighted by the answers because every bucks fan thinks bud playing the drop defense is stupid they think you know all these different things about what they were doing, and they want to hear the opposite
0: of it. Yes. They, they it, was, exactize, it, was, it was ultimately, more, it more was player. Fatigued.
2: Yeah, more player and ball movement on offense, on defense, we need more pressure, we got to stop sitting back there, and that's great. That's what people want to he hear. He goes, we're going to make adjustments. <laughs> right. Buckster's like, yeah! <laughs> adjustments! This is the <laughs> best day of my life. Like, everyone was jacked about it, but there's a difference between saying things and implementing things, and and that, to me, is where it gets really interesting. You know this summer, see what they do in summer league, and then you know that that first preseason game. I remember in 2018 um, watching the Bucks fire up 52 threes in a preseason game, and everyone in the press box just looked at each other like, "Is this is what the yeah. this is that they do now? Yeah. This is them. Yeah. Like this is their whole thing." And you can see it that quick in preseason. Like, when you make large schematic changes, you, you can see it right away, which is why I think you just have to be excited about that first preseason game to see, like, what are they actually going to do? Yeah. Put it on the court. Show us what we're going to look like. Right.
1: Even if it's not the whole team, I want to see what the foundation is going to be laid here with Adrian Griffin and the Milwaukee Bucks moving forward. we got some time before then. Uh, preseason starts, is that October? Early October? Yeah. October. So we, we got some time before then. Obviously, the NBA draft just happened. Moving into free agency, which does get fun. Uh, we're already starting to feel the effects of that with the amount of trades and the amount of movement that happened in the NBA draft. People are doing things, and I want to ask you what the Bucks can do because it seems like they really only have one option. We'll explore what the Bucks' options are to continue to get better with the way the roster is constructed and in, in the way that – Adrian Griffin's going to want to play. How can the Bucs make this jump happen quicker? Because you have a window with Giannis in his prime. There's no time for let guys develop, let the system get in play. You got rid of a guy that won a championship. The expectation with Giannis heading into 2023-24 should be win a championship. How did the Bucs get there? We'll discover it next on the State of the Bucks live from
0: Summerfest. More Hoops Talk coming up on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to the State of the Bucks on 94.5 ESPN. Now back to Eric and Ben, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. And a little bit of chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night. A pair of jeans that fit just right. Max
1: Myerson running the show. Were you at Zach Brown, Yesterday night on. at Summerfest. I was not. They closed the show with this. That's right. why I was wondering if there was and a connection here. So you just, you and Zach Brown Band are uh, on the same wavelength right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a banger of a song, man. you got to play it. There it is. Chicken Fried. Zach Brown Band. Um, I would say I was a little underwhelmed, to be honest, in the concert. I know you were roaming around a little yeah. bit. Um, I had a great time. I was in the lawn. I, I love being in the lawn here at Summerfest. Yeah. Uh Bop around, talk, stand, See some yeah. Close to the bar, bathrooms. Like
2: that, that's what yeah, I'm. Looking you're like for. not locked in. You you don't feel. And like- I
1: feel like Zach Brown bands a concert where like you don't need to be in a seat locked in. No. You know, no. I'd say the best the best thing he did was he did too many covers, but they did a little Bohemian Rhapsody cover, and I thought that was pretty interesting oh, from fun. Jack Brown band. That's but fun. this is the state of the Bucks, and we are at Summerfest, so be remiss if we didn't talk a little music and and what's going on here. It's a beautiful day. Make sure you stop on by. Um, ben Brust here alongside Eric Name as we take you through. The Milwaukee Bucks, we talked a little about last season and where it went wrong, the end of the Mike Budenholzer era, what we're looking forward to seeing in Adrian uh, Griffin, right, and what he brings from a philosophy standpoint, how he ties the personnel into what his vision is. And, and with that, Eric, you know, I think it's fun to see what everyone around the league is doing. The Golden State Warriors have continued to be active. Right. And whether it's been good active or bad active, <laughs> yeah. um, they've done it. Uh, the Boston Celtics, they continue to be active. They continue to value first round picks a little bit too much, in my opinion. Sure. Um, because, you know, they like, it, obviously the two they have right now have turned into something, but like they've had a ton. But sooner or later, those you should be trading for picks right. when yeah, are you gonna, when point. are you going to go get one boss right, right, right. go, go do something for me uh phoenix obviously active in <laughs> bradley beal kevin durant and devin booker teaming up and so you just i had this conversation last year where it was like i i'm looking around and and i'm seeing everyone do things and i'm seeing the bucks do the same things right. and last year i i thought it was a, you know i thought it was a bad move to run it back I, yeah now, I was proven right, but maybe only because of injury, maybe because of, uh, of I don't know, Jimmy Butler. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. But the reason why I thought it was wrong is because if you're not getting better, somebody else is. And this isn't college. I I want to ask you, how much emphasis in the NBA do you think consistency matters? I mean, I think culture is important, but I think the Bucks do a fine line of like, they love their players right. and they treat them very well. I think I think Horst, I think Peter Fagan, I think everyone in the Bucks organization, like they found ways to make Bobby very important to the city. Yep. Pat Connaughton is very involved in business aspects of what they're doing. Giannis is the ringleader of all that as well, like in terms of right. how good he is with his money. Drew Holiday in the community, yep. like they they do a great job of really connecting with their players. But it, can that be a fault sometimes in the professional league?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was so funny at Summer League last year. I brought that exact question to John Horst. I was like... Hopefully less wordy than what I just asked Yeah, you. <laughs> but it, it was just like, you know, there's a lot of people out here who are saying, you're just running it back. Continuity is important, but why you're, are you just, you're just doing running it running it back? back. You didn't yeah. win last year. And, you know, he took some offense to it, and he was like, you know, we did go out and get a guy in Joe Ingles that we Stop. really believe in and, you know, all this stuff. But I was like, yeah, but it's still, you're running it back. And uh, I think the tough part with this Bucks team is that they saw the blueprint, they saw how they did it, they got it done in 2021, and and I think they want to do it in that way again. And I just don't know if that's how it's going to exist, like, I, I think one thing that you've got to see around the league, and maybe the Celtics aren't, like, the best version of this because, you know, they haven't won one. Correct. But every summer, Brad Stevens is pushing. He's he's trying to figure out, it didn't go right last year. How do we make a change this year? And you stick with your core. You You don't make insane changes. It's not like, all right, well, the big three couldn't get it done this year. Let's send out Chris or Drew or Giannis. It's like, no, those that works. Everything else, though, you got to keep pushing. you got to keep trying to find, thing, find something new, figure out what this is going to be. And I think that's where it can be very comfortable to be like, I know Pat Connaughton can get it done in the playoffs. I know that Bobby Portis can get it done in the playoffs. Let's lean on those guys they can do it again and that to me isn't pushing that isn't trying to find a way to get that much closer and that's not to say you know moving the deck chairs around on nine through fifteen on the roster Can't find some interesting things, right? Like, you can find interesting stuff in there. Like, Marjan Bochamp might be a contributor this year. Like, that's a real thing that could happen, and that's someone moving from the 9 to 15 range into the top eight. It's possible. But I don't know if they've pushed hard enough there. I think they continue to get safer players, older players. And, again, you're going to have to do that. That that's how you fill out uh, a, a roster. roster when you have heavy heavy right. contracts at the top end. Correct. You gotta do cheap things and cheap things are old players and young players. And I think they've leaned a little bit towards the old and I, I mean maybe it's a good thing to see this year, this draft, they move in to thirty six and get a guy that's, you know, insanely athletic, that can really go out there push the ball in transition. I mean, like, you
1: said it. In terms of the vision for Adrian Griffin,
2: if, he hits it. Right. Those are, those are the changes. So maybe we're seeing that right now, and maybe I shouldn't index too much on the past because it does feel like the dawn of a new era, like we are doing all of that. But again, it's saying things and doing things. Right now I think they're – They're walking the walk at this moment with the guys that they drafted. Like, I could not imagine a Mike Budenholzer team drafting someone that cannot shoot. There was an obsession over shooting and spacing. We could argue Marjan. Sure, sure. But, like, the same – like, it feels like they're starting to push in that direction a little bit. Like, all right, we tried the spacing thing. Now let's do some other things. Let's yeah. try out some young legs. Even and if it was Jordan Wara, right? A right. glorified first-round pick. For sure. Like, you gotta, you got to keep pushing and trying some of those things. So we'll see if they can get it done because, frankly, they don't have a ton of options. No, they don't. And, I, and that's where I wanted to go next um, because when
1: everyone makes moves, it makes you think, well, what can we do? Right. And... It, to me, it's hard because the job of the GM is to be smarter than all of us. Right? It's to look beyond the season that we're currently in and make sure that you're setting yourself up for success moving forward, especially when you have a guy like Giannis on your team. And so I think about Brooke Lopez, right? I'm not going to lie. I'll even throw Chris Middleton there. The idea of bringing both of them back does not excite me. It yeah. doesn't. Uh, like I, I, I don't Brooke, know how it could. Brooke Lopez is just going to continue to get old. And I hate to say it, but sooner or later, I mean, I, God bless him. I don't even know how he came back and played as well as he did last year. After the All-Star break, he was averaging like 20 and yeah. 15. Like, he was ridiculous. Yes, he was. And the season before that, he had back issues. Uh-huh. Like, no one that size with back issues typically comes back and plays as a high of a level at his, what is he, 30, 35? Yeah. Like, so... You're gonna you're gonna get a head coach in Adrian Griffin who wants to play high intensity defense. That's not someone who can play drop defense and protect the rim with his length. Right. You need someone who's gonna be able to rotate over because they're in the passing lane. Right. And then when they see somebody's beat, they gotta use their athleticism to get over there and block shots. And so Bringing Brook Lopez back doesn't excite me, and and this isn't a knock on Chris, but let's be honest, he wasn't healthy in the Eastern Semis in twenty two. Um, you can argue that they would have won with them, and then you sure. know it would have been a gr- great to see what the Bucks could have done. Right? He was hurt. He was hurt all of last year consistently as well. Who knows what his? I mean, he had an off season surgery mm-hmm. again this season, right. so the season ends. He has another surgery. He's you're my age. Now, that's a bad example because he's in much better shape than both of us. <laughs> right. But you sign him for, like, do you have any idea
2: yeah, the mean, amount of years that they would be looking to sign him? Yeah, Is I mean, it three with an option? Yeah, I would guess that's probably where it ends up being. I, I think in an ideal world, it would just be three, and that's as far as you go. For the reasons that you stated, that you don't want to get into a full four-year, five-year situation with Chris, try to keep it at three. Let him get one more big contract, and yeah, I mean, when you look around, three one hundred five, maybe four one hundred forty in that final year is an option year. Like, I think that's kind of what you're talking about when you're looking at what they're going to try to do with Chris Middleton this off season, and frankly, like. That is not going to excite anyone. Everyone knows Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton has been here, uh, going on a decade at this point, and uh, it's it's just going to be really hard, I think, for fans to watch the off season unfold because you have the FOMO. You're just like everyone else. Is everyone doing else stuff. is doing stuff. Why? Why can't my team do that? And I mean, he declined a forty million dollar. Option. So again, I I think he could have accepted it, and that's fine. But I and isn't
1: it true that he, if he does sign with the Bucks, that money will have to stay on the books. Like it will have to be forty in next year's cap.
2: No, so it'll be whatever the the new new contract is. is. That forty is now scrapped, which could be very good for the Bucks, right? Like we can. I'll try to stay too far away from all the nerdy CBA stuff, but the bucks are going to be a repeater team for the luxury tax it's going to get more expensive and with the new cba there's a thing called the second apron that makes everything even more punitive and and the bucks might try to avoid it and if they can cut that 40 million down to 30ish in year 1 of that deal that would be a pretty big win for them and and that makes things a little bit more manageable but again i'm talking about keeping chris middleton and keeping brooke lopez and and i understand that that's not going to be the most exciting thing the tough part though is if you want to move on from one of those guys it, there's just not great avenues to get talent back like even if you somehow get chris middleton to believe that he should do a sign and trade to whatever other team That team is not going to be all that incentivized to give you much of anything back. In sign-and-trade situations, you very rarely get anywhere close to the level of value that you are trading away. That's just how sign-and-trades work because the other team could just sign them. Correct. They they could just sign them. So why are they trying to help you out? So I've seen a lot of stuff this offseason where it's like, oh, man, you know, what if they sign-and-trade here or do that? And a lot of the time it's like, why wouldn't the other team just pay him? Like, why are they going to give up assets and why are they going to help you out? So I think that is something that, you know, you have to be careful with. The Bucks are somewhat backed into a corner. Like, maybe, maybe you want to make those changes, but you probably have to do Chris and Brooke for one more season. Like, that's... Top four probably has to stay for at least one more season. And if you sign them to the long term contracts, you can Jeff, still trade Then them. next off season, yeah. you can because then you're then you're looking at trading guys with multiple years on their contract, and hopefully um, in situations where. But they the problem
1: play well, is uh, the problem is like who's who's going to want those big correct. of contracts correct. for those guys at their right. age? And I think that's going to be the fascinating part. I want to stick here because we, we broke a little bit uh, down uh, down here about Brooke and and Drew. I wanna hit on free agency, like I wanna hit on potential fits that like maybe nobody is thinking that could fit with the Bucks, but like Bobby Portis is their fifth highest guy heading into the next season in terms of cap. Yeah. That's not good enough if we're gonna win a championship. Probably not. So we'll dive into what the Bucks can do. Um, we talk Bobby or excuse me, we talk Brooke, we talk Chris. We'll talk Bobby, Pat, and Grayson and where they fit into the Bucks' future next on the State of the Bucks live from Summerfest with Ben Brust
0: and Eric Name. Back with more on the Bucks coming up on 94.5 ESPN. Council. This is the State of the Bucks on 94.5 ESPN. Broadcasting live from Summerfest and the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Here's Eric and Ben.
1: It is the state of the bucks here on a beautiful Saturday. I'm Ben Brust alongside Eric Name of the Athletic. He breaks down all things Bucks and a little bit of NBA all over the place as well. Interesting. Interesting. Got some national opportunities, yeah. you know, doing some writing. Sure do. And I'm telling you, it's a gorgeous day. Come on out. Um, we're actually, I think we're starting to get that lake breeze. Oh yeah. It is phenomenal outside here at Summerfest, so come check it out. Come say hi. Uh, but we spent the majority of the show um, going, obviously, specifically into the Bucks and where they are. Moving on from Coach Bud to Adrian Griffin to what his vision will be for the team and, and, and what it may look like versus what we saw on the floor with Bud and the spacing and the shooting. It's going to be high intensity defense. It's going to be a new look scheme. But how does the current roster fit in that scheme? And we bur- now are breaking down. What the Bucks can do, because they don't have a lot of options, to be quite honest, with how tied up they are. At the top of their salary cap with Drew Holiday, obviously with Giannis. Chris Middleton declining his player option for this year with the hopes and the likes that he will re-sign back with the team. Brooke Lopez, a free agent, but all things trending that he would likely sign back with the team. A lot of running it back. And with running it back, I think for... Last year, again, I can make a case for it, but I can't make a case for it with a new coach and a new era. There needs to be change within the roster. So then I think we look at some different guys here. When we talk about Bobby Portis, the mayor of Milwaukee, he signed a pretty big contract. Now, I think he would be a very good player and a starting caliber player on some teams in the NBA. Um, First and foremost, what are your thoughts on how he fits what Adrian Griffin
2: will will try to do? Yeah, I mean... (sighs) Frankly, Bobby is not a very good drop defensive big. It's just not for him. He's not a rim protector. Uh, He does have good hands. He's got a good motor. Like he he does
1: have, he can do some. Yeah, he does have good hands. But in but in terms of, can you see Bobby at the four guarding fours? uh, rotating over, blocking shots, because that, in my head, is
2: what I think Adrian Griffin will be looking for. Uh, I mean, I think the big thing is going to be, I would guess he's just going to blitz every pick and roll. Like, every time Bobby's out there, he's going to try to use his hands, create a steal, and then start rotations. And Bobby, again, like you said, he's not going to fly around and block shots, but he's got a good motor. He's going to try. So, like, you at least can in some ways make the defense a little bit more uncomfortable than when he was in the drop underneath Mike Budenholzer. Like it just that's not a good spot for him. It doesn't work in that way. So I do think there is the possibility that I don't know I'm not gonna say he's gonna be a great defender, but I do think there's the possibility that playing a different style of defense for Bobby Portis will be good for him under Adrian Griffin. So I I think there's that. And then I do think when you look at this roster and you're talking about changes, um, I think you have to reconsider the fact that the guy you're paying the most outside of your big four is another big man. And if we're talking about you know the cap and how you allocate your resources, like... There can only be a four on the floor and a five on the floor. No one, no one's doing. You not... know how many centers were drafted in the 2023
1: NBA draft? Five, maybe three. Yeah, like and, and in 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 the prior four years, it was eight, seven, nine, and seven. You're just in a
2: spot where the game is changing, and at the end of a game, you can't put Brooke, Bobby, and Giannis on the floor. That's a problem. If he's the, your fifth highest paid player, he should be able to be on the floor. And you can't play that route. You, you just can't play that lineup. There's no. not a lineup in the world. In the NBA can, that you can, can be like, all right, back, this these is,
1: guys can go out there. and We're going <laughs> right, to make it happen. Right.
2: We're going to go three bigs here. Okay. So from there, I think you have to try to figure out. And, and it's needs to break it. This isn't Syracuse. They're not trying to run the 2-3. No, it's not going to work. So. You have to consider that. It it might be okay, and it worked out, and they won a championship in 2021. It might be okay where, fine, that guy can give you 25 minutes off the bench, and it can be super productive, and it's fine. But that's not why you pay somebody that much money. In an ideal world, that person's closing games. That person's able to be on the floor at the end, and that's just not something that you can do with Bobby right now. And I, I think that's at least something you have to consider because there are other teams in the league, Frankly, there's probably 15 teams in the league that would start Bobby Portis if he went to their team. Whether yeah, that would be at I, center, I agree. power forward, like there's 15 teams out there. He's shown the ability, especially in a regular
1: season, to put up good numbers. I mean, he was, what, third in voting for sixth man of the year last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he was doing 15 and 10 in 26 minutes. Like, that's... That's legit numbers. And if you think he can be a starter for you, that means, oh, my God, Bobby Portis plays 32 minutes for for us tonight in a bigger role. Why couldn't he average 20 and 12? Again, I'm not saying he's going to do that. but you I think it's more likely he does that elsewhere than with the box. You could talk yourself into that. And if you can get someone to talk themselves into it. You can get some value, I think. You can potentially get some value. And that's where if you're looking at – what the Bucks can really do this offseason. I think you have three guys in the middle of the cap sheet in Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and Grayson Allen. So that, I'm glad
1: you mentioned those three.
2: Cause that I can have, be traded. I have a question for you. You It can be 0, 1, 2, or 3.
1: Of Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, and Pat Connaughton, how many of them are traded by the end of the season? Or by, by trade deadline, we can even say.
2: Two of them. Two of them. like, like and I, if you had to pick the names. I think Pat stays. Like, I, I think in this league, and this has been a constant theme in my writing, this league is about wings. Wings that can defend up and down the ladder. Wings that can hit threes. And the guy that's shown he can do that. most consistently is Pat con
1: Yes, and I think what's interesting is Grayson Allen played a, uh, a similar style defensively um, to what... Adrian Griffin will try to do, but doing it at Duke versus doing it in the NBA, I think uh Bucks fans have seen all they've needed to see of Grayson Allen in the playoffs trying to guard wings. I think Jalen Brown was the was yeah. the eye opener um of work. like it's just the it, it,
2: last year was like I was shocked they even kept him last year. And and I think that's where you get into the problem, is that if you're trading for Grayson Allen You already know what you're getting. You know what you're getting, and either you were a bad enough team, and desperate enough that you think that will help you, which is like, and I'm, that's not, part I'm of not strategies of teams. I'm not trying to disparage Grayson Allen. Like he, he's uh, a good player. He's a perfectly fine NBA six, player, sixth or seventh guy. He can give you solid minutes for the Bucks. He's eaten up minutes like crazy the last couple of years, but there's questions about what he can do in the postseason. So that's fine for plenty of teams. Plenty of teams might want that, but if you are a team that has aspirations of contending, you can't trade for grace now. So that takes 10 of the teams off the board, maybe 15. So you're looking at the bottom half teams that want some of that be, be
1: surprised. I think a lot of teams might fool themselves now because the heat made a run at 8, you know, in the play-in games. I wonder how many teams are actually going to treat, you know, next year as like, "Oh, we have a we have a bigger window. Look how True. look how much parity there is sure. in the
2: NBA." So again, it's not to say it's all hopeless, right? Like, I, I do think there can be value out there. And to be frank, going into the draft, we had reported at The Athletic that the Bucks are looking to get somewhere between 20 and 40 in the draft. And in my mind, it was, okay, you're going to trade Bobby Portis and get a wing. And, and that wing might not be very good, but at, at least it's someone on the wing in 25 or 29 or whatever it is. In my mind, that's how I thought they were going to get it done. And I think that's a good reflection of what their value might be league-wide. All of those guys are right around that area where, you know, it's a first-rounder at the end of the first round, a second-round pick, or a similar player, talent-wise, that plays a different position. And to me, that's how you really try to create something or do something with this roster. And this is the State of the Bucks
1: live from Summerfest. Ben Brust here alongside Eric Name, breaking down top to bottom from coaching the stars to intermediate players. To the draft, because that's where I want to go next. John Horse had some I- interesting post-draft comments at his presser. I'll tease it right here. We're not trying to build the, lo- the roster like we have in the past. We're going to hear more from John Horse next and break down the philosophy the Bucks will have moving forward on the State of the Bucks
0: Live from Summerfest. More Hoops Talk coming up on 94.5 ESPN. Listening to the State of the Bucks on 94.5 ESPN. Now back to Eric and Ben live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone.
1: Live from Summerfest, this is the State of the Bucks with Ben Brust and Eric's name of The Athletic. He knows everything, Bucks. I will give him that. I've enjoyed the early parts of this show, breaking down what was, what will be, and what's going to be, um, because we had an opportunity to hear from John Horse as the NBA draft was on Thursday. Also, quick shout out to Max Myerson for playing Dave Matthews Band. They will be headlining here at Summerfest on Thursday. He knows what he's doing. I, again, is it was that on purpose? I just looked at the you know the lineup and just started picking some bands and songs. Okay, hey, good, uh-huh. go. Because you did start off by hitting Zach Brown Band, Chicken Fried uh, on our first bump back, which was the closing song yesterday at American Family Insurance Amphitheater here at Summerfest. But moving on, uh, as we stick to the Bucks, the draft happened on Thursday, and the Bucks got guys that are a little bit different than we're used to seeing. Whether it's drafted, whether it's on the roster, and John Horse had some in- interesting comments. And his post-draft presser. Here's what he had to say.
0: We're not trying to build a roster uh, like we have in the past.
2: He's a different coach. We're going to have a different system. There are core kind of non-negotiable things that we are always going to care about, and he's very aligned in those things. Um, but we also uh, look, weigh on his opinions, use his opinions, and trying to build this out. And I think you know he came in when we had our press conference a, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was now really talking about energy and effort and defensive versatility and be able to close out and switch and challenge and things like that. And I don't think it's a mistake that you see what we try to do in the draft. And we're going to try to um, bring people into our system and grow them in our
0: system um, with our new coach in the, in the way that we want to play. And so um, I, he's as, as excited as I am about these guys.
1: Phenomenal from John Horst in terms of a vision. But I'm not going to lie, Eric. It makes no freaking sense to me. <laughs> It's, it's like, like, I, I, I understand that you want to draft guys to fit the system of the head coach, but he's talking like he's just got a head coach without a, a two-time MVP and a defensive player of the year world champion that he only has guaranteed for two years. Right. What I want to hear from Giannis is, like, we're going to change the system, and we're going to, like, I wouldn't be trading in for, for athletes are we trying to move pieces? Like, even if it's a century, even if, you're, even if you're not getting as much value, I think I grow a little bit frustrated by that, that quote from John Horst. I understand what he's trying to say, but let's be honest: the Bucks haven't done a great job with the draft.
2: No, and uh, honestly, it's uh, you know you can say it's refreshing, right, to hear something new, and you know it's exciting to hear these things, uh, but. You got to see it in action, and uh, it, it's a it's a really it's a really bold decision that they made. And frankly, I think Mike Boonholzer's voice was getting like a little bit cold. It just wasn't stale, wasn't hidden in the same way that, that it used to. And that's fine. Like, these things happen in the NBA. Five years is a long time to be an NBA head coach at this point. In the modern NBA, five years is a... He wins a second championship, his voice is loud again for another two years. Of course. Uh, and that's just how it works in the NBA right now. Um, but you you go out there and you get someone new, it, it has to work. Like, it, it has to work. And... I'm fascinated to see if they decide to run it back with the same top eight on the roster and then make some changes 9 through 15 and say getting a new coach is going to be enough. That's enough change for one summer. And I think that's, in my mind, that's an argument that I could see the Bucks making. It's an argument sure. they've made in the past. sure. But I do think you have to look around and say... Is it enough? Do we actually trust these eight guys in a new That's, system? There it is. With a new coach, and I a new scheme.
1: And Those eight guys do not fit what Adrian Griffin is ty- trying to do. Now, some of them do. I can right. make arguments for Drew Holiday, Giannis, Pat. Those three, I mean, yeah. maybe Bobby. Obviously, Chris can, sure. is versatile. I mean, you need you need scoring in the NBA. Let's yeah. not forget. Like yeah. I know they're trying to build defensive identity and yeah. um, you know intensity and passing lanes and rotations and athleticism, but you can have all that. But if you can't score the ball, it doesn't matter. It's and so definitely. Chris, Chris. Chris, I think, will be able to find a way to stay on the sure. floor defensively. He always has. Yeah. Um, I think his defense has lacked the last couple of years, and that can be due to injury.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do I do think there's a reason why you have one of your guys get a surgery the day after the season. in mm-hmm. the, the, the day is after the season. Or you schedule it as soon as the season's up, done. Your hope is that his lack of mobility defensively, and we saw it a lot against Jimmy Butler, um, just needed a knee cleanup. Let's just scope that thing. Let's get it done. And, and then that will come back. And it's, it's hopeful. It's optimistic. But also, Chris Middleton is getting older. He's been in the league for a decade. Like, all those things could be true. It could be you just needed the knee cleanup. But also, it could be maybe he, he can't do those things in the same way anymore. Because if you look back on the 2021 line, the, the, that whole run, everybody talks about P.J. Tucker's defense against Kevin Durant in that series. And that's fine. But you know who had Kevin Durant in clutch time? You know who had him for the final five minutes of all those games? Chris Middleton. Like Chris Middleton was playing that level of defense, and I don't know that we've seen that in the last two years. And like you said, it could be because of injury, but... It, that it has to be a serious question for the organization. Is you know is he still going to be able to fit? Is he still good enough to be a member of the big three? Is he still championship caliber at the top of your roster? Yeah, and I think where I am
1: a little iffy on John Horse comments is they don't have a lot of first round picks. Like yes. like like it's not, it's not like they have traded guys and have first round picks. And he's talking about building the identity. It's hard to build. It's hard to build when you don't have the first round picks, but also if you haven't ha- proven that you're hitting on second and undrafted guys like to fit into your system. Like that's where my worry is. It's like, all right, you're going to change your philosophy, and I understand you want to build excitement around the guys you're going to bring in to your team, but how does that work? You know, how does how does that fit within what you're trying to do in winning a championship? Um, and so that's where it kind of is a little off putting. It's like. You, you have the top eight that you ran it back with. Good. It looks like you're going to sign Chris and Brooke again and run it back. It looks like you're going to try and your, try and change your scheme, which doesn't really fit a guy like Brooke. Mm. And you're trying to draft and get younger and develop, but you're also in the prime of Giannis's career. And so I almost feel like the Bucks have put themselves where they're trying to do too many things at once right now.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you saw it with the Warriors, right? Like They, they literally tried the two different lanes where it was like, all right, we're going to have five young guys that were developing and our championship guys over here that didn't work out we've seen the heat year over year do it and frankly we've seen the raptors do it and and i think it's no mistake that at the end of the coaching search the bucks ended up with a guy that's been in toronto that's shown the ability to develop younger players and again they haven't done that over the years there's you know there's just no track record for Mike Boonholzer actually tr- trusting young players to play in those moments. And I think that has to be a real priority for Adrian Griffin. I think John Horst has to tell him, "Hey man, you got to play some of these young guys. There's this is our path forward." Like we can keep the top eight with vets and all of that, but 9 through 15, we got to start hitting on some of those guys, and you hope that as an organization they can kind of see that vision forward and make sure that they're doing that.
1: On Twitter, at Milwaukee, does it excite you if the Bucks bring back Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez? At Ben Bruss says no, what do you say? 60% of the vote says yes, 40% of the vote says no, and the 40% of the vote that are no are very vocal. That's a, that's because Ben Bruss is Mr. Negative, depressed, sad young man. Get a life! Uh, what a bleeping doorknob! It's going well on Twitter at ESPN Milwaukee. Keep the votes coming. Keep the comments coming. Um, I love it. I mean, look, I'm just uh, look. I'm not here to lie to you. I'm here. I'm here to. I'm I'm here because these fans that are passionate, taking it out on me. I want them to experience another championship, and I don't think the Bucks are doing it the right way. In how they're setting up with the new coach and the roster that they have. They don't have a ton of options, I get that. But this could have been avoided a couple years ago. God. But when you win a championship, you keep rolling that. And when you keep rolling that, you put yourself in jeopardy of not having pieces that you can move on expiring contracts. And that's where we are today. Our two of... The State of the Bucks coming up next, live from Summerfest. Ben Brust, Eric Name here. We're going to call it the Giannis Hour. A lot of Giannis talk in Hour 2 because ultimately, whether there's scheme changes, coaching changes, free agencies, trades, whatever it is, you still have one of the greatest players in the entire world. And he's the franchise. That's the franchise right there. All of everything we said could mean crap. If Giannis plays like a man on a mission yep. like I think he's going to next year, we on that next on the State of the Bucks here live from Summerfest. More hoops talk coming up on 94.5 ESPN.